Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Mike, it has been forever since we have done one of these. I think not since the bowl game was over and we re- recapped all that, or did we go do another one after Yeah, all? I think you went into hibernation like a bear. You just <laughs> waited till football season was back. Now you can smell it like honey, so you're, you're back out and, and ready to go. I tell you what, this summer did fly by, man. Uh, kids are back to school next week. I mean, it's crazy. See, my kids are home for the summer, so it su- summer was very slow. They're <laughs> six and four, so it dragged on very slowly. But, no, it is good to have football back here uh, with camp kind of starting up on Friday. Yeah, it sure is. And here's a little outline of what we're going to get to. Uh, we'll we'll recap the ACC football kickoff that we both attended. Uh, Tech Media Day is on the way. We'll talk about what we're looking forward to uh, talking with those guys about once we go down there. Uh, a couple players to watch, some position battles for fall camp. Uh, a little bit of uh, positions, you know, where, where we're not sure how guys are going to uh, fare, you know, either they're freshmen or they're, or they're JUCO transfers or they don't have a position yet. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of that. And then we'll do our pick three at the end, which is uh, always a little light-hearted portion. Uh, Mike, you and I went down to – the ACC kickoff, along with Mark Berman and Doug Dowdy, it was a full Roanoke Times cast and crew there. Uh, what were your impressions of? Let's start with Fuente. He was uh, obviously the main attraction there. What were your impressions of what he had to say down there? Oh, he was very relaxed. Uh, it was very good. You know, I think fans are used to him being kind of tight-lipped, and um, I think it comes off as a little standoffish. I don't think it is because we talked to him, and so I, I, I think that's just how it's perceived. Uh, but he was very good, uh, had some good stuff about just trying, you know, in general, his philosophy, trying to find a quarterback and how really there is none, <laughs> that there's no magic uh, ingredient. But that, I think what fans were kind of more interested in was what he had to say about kind of the struggles last year and how plainly it wasn't good enough. And, um, you know, that he still finds a silver lining in the fact that the kids fought, didn't give up. Um, you know, I, I think he has a pretty good – perspective on everything that happened last year and um it's not it hasn't killed all the worry that fans have for the 2019 season but i i don't know i just think that he's very plainly spoken about it i don't i don't you know you get a lot of coach speak sometimes when you have struggles but i i I don't think that's what he's kind of how he's described last year um I, i mean what's your impressions i mean you've uh, you know, you kind of joked when uh, Frank would struggle, he'd kind of fall back on <laughs> some of the similar themes and phrases. Do you get say, the sense that Justin hasn't done that with this, that he's kind of put a face on some of those struggles? Yeah, and I was really struck by the different feel of this one. You weren't at last year's because you had just been hired or, or maybe not yet hired at that point. Um, and I remember, you know, talking with Tommy Hamzik, our our online guy. You know, we did a little video after uh, Fuente spoke last year. And I just, you know, I, I predicted at that time that Tech would have its worst season defensively in 10 years. And that's not the kind of thing that ACC football kickoff usually, um, you know, dredges up. Like, you don't feel bad. Uh, everyone's optimistic, you know, even though you know, you're talking to, the, the, you know, the Duke coach and he's optimistic even though he's being picked fifth in the coastal because he feels like this new quarterback they're facing Alabama this year and he was still right. optimistic I, I, somebody should tell him tell him what that Alabama team has yeah I mean it's but it's in general it's not a time to pull her cold water over things but I and and I'm typically a, a, 
I think a glass half full guy when it comes to you know covering our local teams. But uh, I remember how how down I was on what they were going to do just because of the questions on defense and all the losses to the to the draft and to you know all the you know off the field stuff that was was sort of just kind of hovering over that team. And of course, you know, Fuente put on the best face that he could at, at that at that event, but. I mean, you know, I kind of asked him about it this year. You know, how did you really feel going into that year? And he, he's like, I couldn't say all the things I really felt. He knew. Well, a lot of them were unclear. Out. You know, yeah. he was still waiting for situations. You know, they had some off-the-field struggles that they were still trying to get through. And, and you can't – you can be as honest as you can be. You know, right. you can't throw your team under the bus. You can't throw – and that's not how he is. Uh, he didn't throw anybody under the bus even now. But he said, look, you know, look, there were things I couldn't share that we had – bubbling under the surface that we knew about we were concerned about um but it, he's talked about them sort of generally now um and i and i think uh, enough he, he's addressed it enough where i i think you could kind of see um i don't know i just feel like it was an honest sort of assessment of what this team went through there was no sort of like oh you know we, we tried hard. I mean, it was just it was more honest than i think a lot of coaches will get when they they have struggles yeah, and I, and I keep going back to the quote that he had after the bowl game where he said he couldn't go – I'm paraphrasing here, but it was, you know, we can't go another 365 days like this. And while there have been some uh, newsworthy events that have happened, you know, the Josh Jackson transfer and others, uh, it has not been nearly what it was last year. And I think there's reason for him to feel a lot better going into this season than he did in that one. Well, and, I, and people don't want to hear it, but I don't think that they – were, you know, as far as transfers were concerned, I mean, two of the guys that they were surprised about went back to the team, and Deshaun McLeese and Hendon Hooker. Right. And the only guy they were really surprised, I think, and thought that there was a significant reason for him not to transfer was Eric Kuma, who was essentially the second starter, you know, number two receiver on the team, up there, number one, number two for coming back, that they thought, you know, why would he do that? Uh, he ended up at Old Dominion, got a scholarship, but, I mean, there was kind of a sense of, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, Josh Jackson, they disagreed with his reasons for transferring, but, I mean, uh, you know, he had to compete for the starting job, so I guess that's what he, he didn't really want to do that, so he left. You know, like the other guys, graduate transfers, that's fine. You know, um, so a lot of the off-season events sort of weren't um, in such a, a, a drag on the team as where you have guys that are – getting arrested or, or getting into, you know, have academic problems or, you know, uh, problems in the locker room. So, so uh, that part's been eliminated where the transfers, um, I don't think, have impacted the team sort of chemistry negatively the way that some of the events of last summer uh, hurt this team. Yeah, short aside, I mean, I as a Maryland graduate, I'm interested to see how that quarterback battle goes over there. And it seems like there is a battle he's right. in. I mean, you know, even though he uh, – you know, he's the presumed starter. They've got some hot shot freshman. They've got that uh, piggy guy that's back from last year. Well, and he year. didn't even get to compete in the spring, too. You know, yeah. he had to sit out to be able to be eligible. So it wasn't like he was leaving early to get a head start anywhere. So that was why, you know, you just kind of scratch your head. But that's getting off the point back to what you were saying. No, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just be watching that very closely yeah. because it's going to be interesting. And I think Maryland plays Syracuse early in the season. That'll be uh, probably a big Syracuse victory. But. It would be interesting if Josh is playing against them. It would be fun to watch. Um, media Day. Uh, it is coming up on Thursday. We're taping this on Tuesday. Um, it looks like a pretty good availability from what we can tell. Uh, it looks like we'll have an opportunity to talk to almost anybody we want to of consequence. Plus the coordinators. And yeah. Fuente is going to obviously kick things off. So. Uh, which is how a Media Day ought to be. Uh, how do you – 
How do you approach this media day? I guess this is, is this your first media day? Did you get to the media, we had day, media last day last year? It was kind of later. It was like okay. three weeks in, yeah. um, uh, uh, in kind of a strange place just because we had all our preview content done and everything was done. We'll kind of get to, you know, they haven't practiced yet. This, they'll practice the next day. So that'll be interesting. They haven't really seen um, the team kind of together on the field. I mean, they've been conditioning all summer, um, you know, together. So I think – I. You know, I think they've talked a lot about team chemistry. I'm curious, what's your kind of qu lingering questions that you want answered sort of uh, from this group? I just kind of want to gauge the attitude, I think, overall. Just kind of get a sense for, you know, and you know it's going to be an upbeat type of mode. But, you know, of course, they had that sort of unifying meeting that everyone always talks about. I I'd like to talk. Well, they have a phrase now. I don't know if you saw this in my story I did about Dalton Keene. They have a, a slogan that they're not revealing what it means. It's MBA, uh, that they wear these shirts. And, you know, Dalton Keene was wearing one earlier in the day when I was following him around for a story I did earlier this summer. And I was like, why is he promoting the NBA? It's kind of a weird shirt. But then they all got together. They all have NBA shirts. So there's some slogan they came up with at that special meeting in January. Uh, and there's been some guesses about what NBA stands for. But yeah. so that's their that's their kind of uh, calling card that they've kind of rallied around. But they haven't revealed it. Um you know, no bad attitudes. And I think there's a version of that that's a little dirtier that um, was my guess. But um, uh, I so think that's whatever what, it one is, thing they we'd have. be disappointed when we heard it because we'd be like, it's not very imaginative. Like, Maybe. But if it's like something like no, you know, B-I-T-C-H right. allowed, that would be sort of interesting and telling yeah, about, about, you know, guys that left. But um, so that's something, you know, obviously they're rallying around each other. I think that, that I think that's clear from kind of the time I spent kind of uh, this this off season with uh, players and coaches yeah i mean i'm looking at the schedule again and it's you're obsessed with the schedule i am obsessed are you going to ask schedule. about rhode island what they can expect out of Furman? <laughs> i mean bc odu Furman, duke then you got miami then you come back for the big rhode island tilt uh it is just i think that and i think i'm going to write this for the preseason guide but i mean i think you got to win nine games with this schedule I mean, I think it's just such a favorable schedule that normally you'd say eight games, that's plenty. You know, that, that, that showed progress. You're, you're on your way back. But then you look at the schedule, and I think you say you got to get more than that. Well, and on the, on the face of it, the only clear law, you know, the only clear game that you're saying right off the bat that they're behind in is Notre Dame. Right. And that's not even a conference game. So, I mean, the other every, everything else, I think you could make a case where uh, Virginia Tech – could be in that game. I mean, you know, last year I think some of the lopsided results, um, I don't know, I'm not really kind of expecting that again with, you know, the game against Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, those losses being so bad. I don't think that sort of foretells what this year will hold. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know how much they'll talk about that. I think they're, you know, they're – <laughs> one day at a time is the problem when you ask kind of those questions about yeah, I don't, scheduling. You know? I don't anticipate asking a lot of scheduling questions because, like you said, I don't anticipate getting any information from Could you them. point out Furman on a map? <laughs> Furman. It's what's very, Rhode very nice Island's, campus. Furman what's Rhode is Island's nice logo or a mascot? How about that tweet? <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> off the rails again here. Well, no, this is questions for media day. This is this is what I think that is something I'd be, like to ask yeah. about that Oscar Bradburn tweet where he said that uh, he hopes <laughs> he hopes uh, Bryce Perkins, the UVA quarterback, doesn't fumble the hammer. Uh, they were turn. Okay, so yeah, I got. Let me get. Let's set this up context. Let's not throw 
Uh, and you got to ask him about his mustache, which is just terrible. Um, is it terrible? Have you seen Oscar's musta- mustache? Okay, so uh, a, a fellow a beat reporter, uh, Mike Barber, uh, for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, um, was covering UVA, and the, to kick off their uh, fall camp, he uh, uh, the, the team broke this like rock. So he tweeted, UVA football will break this rock after this morning's workout officially ends the offseason. And the rock, this this rock that they had, includes the phrase beat tech and a- ACC, which I imagine it means we win the ACT. And then Brad Burns uh, subtweeted it, tell Perkins not to fumble the hammer. So that's what that, <laughs> that's, that's, that is the context of that tweet, just to make it uh, – uh, How many retweets does it have? How many likes? I mean, it's got to be up there. 1,000 retweets and 4,000 likes, yeah. 157 comments. So yeah, no fairly significant here. response, a lot of laughs. Um, Dax Hollyfield tweeted boohoo, tweeted three pictures of the fumble. Wow. Yeah. Just, uh, just all sorts of uh, so, but and so, has on. that happened since Fuente's been here? Uh, has anybody fired a shot uh, in the rivalry you know, in the last couple I'm years? I'm trying to remember. I think there were a couple defensive linemen over the years that have poked some, poked the bear, especially after the wins. You know, yeah. they'll throw something up there just to, just to rub it in, or during the week they'll even throw something up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that game, you know, of course. It ends the season. It's November 29th. It's a Friday uh, after Thanksgiving. It, but it's going to be another you know, huge deal. And I, I love the, the fact that it's now a huge deal and it's not just some lame-o game, you know. Somebody tweeted, beat ODU. That was funny response. Yeah, I'm sure the UVA fans had had their barbs ready to go as well. Um, all right, who, who are you keeping an eye on this fall camp? Well, yeah, so uh, – previewing fall camp throughout the week uh, online so if you're looking for uh the written version of some of these um uh, kind of s- lists we're going to be talking about um check online i posted p- uh, the players to watch this morning um top five i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about three of them on the podcast and my you'll have to go online to, to read get the, the other, other two, two. <laughs> big reveals it's not that exciting <laughs> but my first guy and we can talk about this this is a guy I, and I mentioned him in the tweet when I tweeted the story. Trey Turner has been overlooked on every all ACC preseason list. Even the t- list with like four t- all ACC offensive teams doesn't have Trey Turner listed, which I think is insane. Um, he's the guy that I think could have a special year. Um, uh, talk about using him at punt return. Um, he's ran the jet sweeps by the end of the year. Um, obviously, his role as receiver alone could put him in that. But I think he's dynamic enough. Where you look at him and say, "Man, how many ways, how many times can they get him a ball, the ball a game?" And uh, he's a guy that I think uh, just has tons of talent. And as a true freshman, anything they threw at him, he succeeded at. I mean, blocked that punt um, against UVA. Um, just you know, it's like go do this, and he was like, "Okay." And you know, big play Trey was his nickname, and he kind of showed that out. Um, and just as a freshman, so right. you get kind of some chemistry working with these quarterbacks more. Um, you know. Gosh, I just think Ryan Willis has so many targets, um, but I think Trey really has something special. And that's kind of my guy. But I've kind of been saying that all offseason where I see – and I voted him preseason first team in a sort of more of a prediction that he his numbers would take that jump because if you look at what he averaged down the stretch, you know, yards and touchdowns, um, you know, he's, those numbers, if he put up in the last four or five games, would put him in that conversation. Um, so he's the guy that I think – all my eyes are on him because I think he could be a special player this year. Who else? Uh, another guy, you know, 
that's been hyped a lot this offseason, uh, James Mitchell. I'm just curious, you know, it's it, he's going to play. Dal- Dalton Keene's going to start a tight end, but uh, James Mitchell's going to play. And how they use him, how they use him and Keene together, how they use those receivers and him and Keene together, I think it's going to be a really an interesting conversation. Um, they can really have a, sort of a, a, a dynamic offense that has a lot of mismatches. I mean, he put on – he's up over 250 now. I think he put on like 13 pounds over the summer. He's 6'3". Uh, I mean, in the spring game, he had that touchdown, big body. I mean, how are you going to put a uh, defensive back on him? How's a linebacker going to cover him because he's also fast and athletic? Um, he's a guy where I think you look at it's not as much like will he have a role or will he um, do, do some uh, some positive things for his team. It's just how will they use him? How will they get him on the field enough? Because um, I think Keen is the similar – kind of pack i mean keen was cl- as clutch as clutch can be in some of those games right uh had that great catch against uva too so um he's another guy on the list then the third one i'm just gonna do all offense you can look there's two defensive players on the list you can look online for that Keyshawn king uh, the running back freshman running back um 2,000 yards as a senior in high school obviously that's not gonna happen this year but he had all sorts of crazy long runs, and they just need a little bit of that explosiveness, <laughs> just, a, just a sprinkle, because uh, this run game, and you could speak kind of to the history of it the last four years. I mean, can you remember many 50-yard, 60-yard runs during Justin Fuente's tenure? I mean, no. they had six of 30 yards or more last year, six or seven, and that's not very many at all. No. Um, and they need explosiveness just to give – you know, we got all these weapons on the offense, on the, the, the receiver and tight end. You have to show them something in the running game. How's the O-line going to be, you think? I think the O-line's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, I think you got your tackles kind of all set now with Darisau, even though he missed spring, and, and, and Danzy um, uh, out on the outside. Um, uh, guard, I think, is up for grabs a little bit, but Lasita Smith is probably a name to watch that he's probably going to be on that left side, left guard. Um, uh, but I think they like their talent there. I think it'll be pretty consistent. Um, you know, big group too. So I think they got size. I don't. I don't think that's a concern. So, um, but I, you know, to talk to to somebody, but you know, and the coaches view it where they had a lot of plays blocked up last year and still only went for like ten yards or still only went for seven yards. You know, so it's got it. The, the running backs have to kind of get that that second part of it that second level they just need to do a lot better job and king's a guy where you kind of think maybe he can make some things happen um even though i don't you know i don't expect him to win the starting job or anything but i i do think that they need something some sort of spark you know you watch perkins kind of carry the ball that kind of that kind of player where anytime the ball is in his hands in that backfield you can think something that's why turner is so good on those jet sweeps kind of brings the same thing so maybe that's where they turn to um, but uh, I think from the running back perspective, you want to try to have somebody that can do that. Yeah, I think we should talk about the running backs because I think that's one of your position battles to watch. That is, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at, uh, you know, we won't see a tech uh, depth chart until the first week of uh, Boston College yeah, week. Yeah, until Boston Tuesday, College week. Tuesday or Wednesday before I'm the looking game. looking at one here from rlads.com, which I have no idea how official that is. But it's it's somebody that's attempting it, and I appreciate him at least attempting it. They have McLeese first, Holston second, Wheatley third. Would you agree with that pecking order at this point? No. I mean, I would say McLeese or Holston, and then two's completely undecided. You know, it's like there's no – because Wheatley missed spring. Yeah, you're bringing in the two freshmen. And I think Holston and McLeese are equal at this point. McLeese, basically, he's at the end of the, both the last two seasons, he's shown he, what he's capable of. He had the big game against Cincinnati, but still missed the second half. He's really. all about bowl games, man. Yeah, and then, and then again, what is it, Oklahoma State uh, – 
two years ago. Um, but he, he injury slowed him down this year uh, again. And, you know, you're just what, – what can you trust him with? And can he stay on the field? Holston, they're really excited about just because he's had the full offseason for the first time. Um, they like the kind of the work that he's put in, and he kind of quietly did that last year. It didn't show up really on the field very much because he didn't get very many opportunities. Um, but, you know, does somebody kind of stand up here and take it now? It's, it's You know, he can't – they're kind of waiting around, I think. You know, they wanted to get these other guys on campus Wheatley healthy, but um, I think you got you need some separation here. And, and I know they like to spread the carries around. Um, and, that you know, you kind of that's, – that's the feeling you have kind of going into the year. That's what they'll do again. Uh, but you'd probably love for somebody to sort of stand up and say, like, this is my, you know, I'm the I'm the number one back. And Stephen Peoples, I guess, did that a little as the year went on. Um, but they haven't had that here. I mean, no. your best rusher in Fuente's tenure is Jared Evans, Gerard Evans. Yeah, which is sad. <laughs> it's four sad. years now, so. And, well, I wish we still did the Pimpleton Minute because, that, you know, in baseball prospect circles, they talk about helium, and that guy's got some helium. Have you yeah. seen he's shown up on a lot of – of course, you're not Central very Michigan. Yeah, yeah, Central Michigan. He's showing up on a lot of players yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah. What if he really shows out? Of course, I guess. But they're tech, stacked. Yeah, I, don't I was going to say. Te- I mean, he's showing out at Central Michigan where the depth chart's not quite as stacked. I mean, you got Hazleton. You're, you're starting kind of trio tentatively as Hazleton, Turner, and Grimsley. And right. I mean, that's a pretty – who do you take out? Rlads.com agrees. Yes. Well, thank you, Rlads. <laughs> it has Phil Patterson waiting in the wings there. Phil the Patterson end. probably be next. Yeah. And then they got a bunch of freshmen too. So Unfortunately, they also have Phil Patterson listed as the backup quarterback to Ryan Willis. So I think uh, that the, the Rlads maybe need, a, needs a, a little bit of uh, so. editing. <laughs> uh, any other position battles you really want to keep a close eye on? Yeah. I mean, I had, I'm going to be posting this tomorrow. I mean, quarterback is on there. Um, and, you know, we'll acknowledge it. But, I mean, it's not – it's, like, sort of like you have to say it because it is open. But it's not really what I'm watching. Like, I think we all kind of expect Ryan Wills to be the starter. I'm interested more probably in the number two spot, you know, like, and, and what do they do with Hendon and Quincy this season? Do they – you know, look, no matter what they do, they're going to get playing time if you firm that game against Furman and Rhode Island don't go – off the rails and everything goes crazy you know you should have a half to kind of give some some time to play you would think but do they have sort of you know they don't really do special packages they want the guys running the whole offense do they try to get a series of game for patterson because he's a young guy who you're going to have to rely on next year um do, do they want to give a different look with hendon because he's obviously very fast and, and and capable of kind of breaking out long runs so i, I think it's more that Look, I mean, could a surprise happen? Sure. I mean, stranger things have happened in, in college football, and, you know, you hate to see it, but, I mean, injuries happen too. Um, so, obviously, you know, anything could happen between now and Boston College. But I'm more interested sort of in the secondary part of that quarterback battle than sort of – I think everybody assumes it's Willis's job. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unspoken but acknowledged, I think, by everyone who follows the program. I mean, All did right, you so like the ACC kickoff reporter that just flat out asked, <laughs> like, are you going to name Wire Willis your starter? After, like, three questions where he said he wasn't going to, and I just thought the uh, the, the fourth one was going to work. He was like, you know, I changed my mind. You got me. Ryan Willis is the starter. <laughs> the home schedule is Old Dominion, Furman, Duke, Rhode Island, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Pitt. Yeah, so I mean, you think uh, you'd have you a getting, minute to I, to uh, play those young quarterbacks? Are you hearing any rumblings at all about how ticket sales are going? They were down a little bit earlier this summer. I haven't followed up on it yet, uh, going because uh, we'll be kind of that. I think we'll have an opportunity to kind of talk about that. Sort of, they're going to do an event with the 
touring the facilities for the new ACC network stuff, so that might be a quite a question about yeah. attendance and things like that. I don't think they anticipate that much of a dip. I mean, I think you're probably talking about like walk-up sales, you know, on the day of games right. probably won't be nearly as good. Uh, but preseason-wise, season ticket packages, I, d- I don't think they're expecting like a major hit. But they all also plan for it. I mean, look, they didn't sign up. Rhode Island was second, right? They didn't sign up Rhode Island and thinking they'd be the drive for, oh, we need to get that ticket. Right. You know, it's like they knew long-term what that was going to mean. So, uh, I and, you know, with – and it doesn't matter almost because you got, in a, in a sense, fans are going to hate to hear that. And I'm not saying that their attendance doesn't matter, but revenue-wise, the ACC network revenue, they're they're not going to lose any money um, um, if that game doesn't do well. Right. Um, and if the team's five and zero or six and zero, what is it, five and zero before they go into Rhode Island? I mean, you're going to get people coming to the game. So. Um, I don't know. I don't think that's a, that. That's your biggest position battle. Just which game's the worst? <laughs> well, I think this is the year. If you you know if you've got kids. Well, that was my thinking. I got two kids. kids they haven't been games. out. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm not going to pay full price to get them. You know, but not, yeah. they they don't get the press passes. But that'd be an opportunity if they want to check out a cheap game. I think you're going to have some season ticket holders, uh, especially the second one. The first one, it's new in the year. It's only the third game of the season. Weather will be nice. I think people will come to that. But that ODU or the uh, Rhode Island game in October, if it's bad weather too, I mean, fans are going to stay home, put their tickets on stud mode. Yeah, yeah, and you know UNC's got a new coach, and uh, what Wake's got a new coach, and Georgia Tech's got a new coach. Georgia Tech does. Wake does. Wake, Wake does. No, yeah. Wake's, Wake's still got, got the class. Yeah. Who, who's got a new coach that I'm thinking of? Um, I do not know. Oh well, Duke, uh, Duke's got the same coach. Georgia Tech's got the new coach, and they've got their whole. I mean, Duke, Georgia Tech went through more changes off season than anybody. Yeah. In the ACC, and Miami's Nard- got Narduzzi's a new coach. Back. Okay, it's Miami. Okay, yeah, Miami yeah, has. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Pitt uh, has a new offensive coordinator. Right. Okay. Um, how you wanted to mention something about the freshman D lineman? Well, we we're going to do uh, just uh, posting two key kind of questions uh, okay. going into uh, just to kind of the uh, look at the roster. A couple things um, that stand out to me: uh, Amari Barno, where do you play him? Um, they have him listed at linebacker. Um, you know, he could play that kind of um, outside spot um, that that, that kind of plays inside and out, uh, or up close to the line back. Um, could put him down on the line if you need a pass rusher because that's kind of what he was, a pass rushing specialist at, at junior college. Um, and then kind of the two other things I was looking at, um, they need freshman defensive linemen to step up, um, and they need them to step up this year, especially at tackle. Uh, Xavier Burke and Jimmy Williams left the program um, this summer, um, and you know they weren't going to play a whole lot, but now you're down to just numbers-wise. You just don't have it. So – uh, Norrell Pollard, uh, Mario Kendricks, Josh Fuga are all freshmen. Jaden Cunningham's another junior college transfer, as is Deshaun Crawford. Um, but those three freshmen, you're going to need at least one or two to be ready to play. I uh, heard good things about uh, Pollard. Um, and then my other question, Jeremy Webb, we've talked a little bit about him, just what he's gone through. He's torn both of his Achilles since he's been here. Yeah. Hasn't played a down of football. Uh, been cleared. That was one of the things uh, Justin Fuente said at ACC kickoff. But, I mean, cleared and back to football ready, playing uh, – I mean, he's good in shape, but being ready to handle the grind of a, a fall camp and then go into the season and be able to have an impact, um, that might be a lot to ask for a guy that's – because Achilles injuries, and I've done some research and going to be doing a story later this fall, 
just the statistics for one of them are not good, just about being a productive player. And if you look across college football, there are very few players that make comebacks after two. They don't even have two, but that make comebacks. There's one guy I found who's a walk-on turned scholarship player at Ohio State that's been tore both and had a productive season last year, and he's going to be a senior now. But, I mean, the list what, – what, if he's successful, he'd be kind of it. You know, it's like yeah. he's the test case, and that's kind of a, a, a tough place to be. Um, you know, they're going to probably let him go and see what they get. But, you know, he's a guy we look at, you know, size-wise, he'd be great to have a defensive back now that they lost Bryce Watts. But I don't think you can sort of set any sort of hard kind of predictions about what you can, you know, how many plays per game or anything at this point just because you haven't seen him yet. Going back to the uh, defensive line, rlads.com has no defensive tackle listed. So they just <laughs> gave up. <laughs> I mean, the first team is pretty solid. I mean, it's like Jared Hewitt's going to be your starter for, you know, uh, that that's a lock. And Deshaun Crawford, who enrolled early, was one of the junior college transfers, is yeah. your other guy. Okay. But behind that, I mean, you got Rob Porche. You got a, you got a, got a couple returning. Uh, uh, Eli Adams. Aiden um, Brown is listed here. Aiden Brown, who's a former offensive lineman, mm -hmm. they're all going to be in the mix. Um, but I mean, look, you know, in the in the spring game, they had walk-ons in the second and third team. Yeah. So, you need to have now at least, like I said. If you can get a Pollard contributing right off the bat, I mean that'd be huge for depth-wise, because and protecting you against injuries. You just need somebody to be ready. Well, I, I think two guys to be ready. How much time did you spend with Reggie Floyd uh, down in Charlotte? Uh, I I, I talked to him for a little while. I, yeah. I spent about what were your impressions of what he had to say? You know, he's a quiet. He's not. He doesn't have a lot to say when he's at the podium uh, historically. Um, but I what I took away from him was that. I think last year was hard in that he expected to be a leader, but not the leader. You know, it was him and Ricky Walker, and that was it. Right. And he was the guy in the secondary. And, you know, he expected to come in with two veteran teammates, and he and they were gone by the, the start of fall camp. And so he kind of had a – you know, he had a, a bunch of just first-year starters, and it was him kind of leading the way. So I think he's more comfortable. Not that he had a problem being a leader, but that he's just – Justin Fonte talked about knowing how to lead, you know, that it's not just sort of like being a vocal presence or being, you know, good at workouts that sometimes you need to do more, but how do you do more? What do you do? Um, and so he kind of um, talked about just last year, always being verbal with the guys and the young players kind of asking him in the locker room, like, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, cause you know, one thing I talked a lot about coaches with kind of over the summer when I've had a chance about confidence level, with this defense. I mean, you watched that Pitt game or that Georgia Tech game, and this group got beaten down, and I think fans don't kind of think about that aspect because they're complaining about the defense. You're complaining about these young kids that never played college football before that are getting crushed. Um, and so just confidence level, and, and, and I think they've turned the page, and, and Reggie seemed to uh, kind of hammer that point home that they're not letting it linger yeah it's interesting i wrote something for today's paper uh, those series we're doing on all the other acc teams about uh, duke's new quarterback from uh, quentin harris and he had an interesting line he said something like there's a different he started two games last year when daniel jones was hurt and he said but there's a difference between starting and being the starter and i think that's what sort of reggie floyd is saying there there's a difference between leading and being a leader. He, he led by necessity last year. And he was and always a grinder in right. the workroom, so he could do that, you right. know, like in the, in the workouts. Like, he was a guy they looked to. But 
that doesn't make you somebody that can bring the team along or bring a young exactly. uh, young group of freshmen. Um, one question I did have for you that we did, uh, I had listed but I didn't mention. Um, how does this summer, you know, you mentioned last year, but compared to kind of the Justin Fuente era going into fall camp, um, you know, I wasn't here even before last year, so I don't have a sense of just like how is this, you know, last year was sort of unique, but other uh, is this similar to his first season or second season? Yeah, I think it feels different? more like that. And, and of course, there was, uh, there was a lot of optimism coming into his first season and his second season, as you would expect. Um, yeah, I, I think it's – last year was such a, a aberrant uh, situation. I mean, and you got to hope – and like he said, you've got to hope that it is. I mean, you got to hope that that just doesn't happen again. Um, because, again, I, I just don't – I don't go into seasons thinking this is going to be a miserable season for Team X or Team Y. I think if you've re- if you probably read my co- preseason columns on Virginia uh, back when they were you know winning three games a year or whatever it was, they still had some positive tone to them. You know, like it's preseason. Um, so the difference between what that was and what this is, I think, is very refreshing. It should be for Tech fans very encouraging. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, injuries could mount early. And like you said, the depth on the D-line, stuff like that, could really ravage a team. If, uh, if, if, and then they have some built-in excuses, I think, if things go wrong. But uh, overall, I think, you know, he, he projected confidence. You know, I think what was his quote? What was Fuente's quote? It was something like, uh, I've never felt better about, about the direction, direction of the program. Of the program. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's something maybe you feel like he's got to say because he's, you know, getting some heat. But – uh, you know, he, he said it with what I thought was pretty pretty strong conviction. I mean. Yeah, the tough part is, is if you lose the Boston College game, you're going to just have just uh, weeks of just panic. Um, you know, it, have you – has the season opener been this important? Well, I thought last team? year's was huge, and then it turned out not to be because they I won guess it. So, they but it was great. Big. Yeah, it was but, big. but Florida I, State was – I don't know. Everybody thought Florida State was going to be better. Right. And Boston College, I, I don't think anybody's predicting. So other than I, A.J. Dillon. Dillon's, Dillon's awesome. He's a Heisman candidate, uh, a deep, deep Heisman candidate, but he's a Heisman yeah. candidate. Uh, and, you know, I talked to Adazio. The guy loves his quarterback. Doesn't think he could be an offensive lineman, though. Oh, yeah, that was a stupid question that I asked. But uh, I did ask Fuente about, you know, what from that Florida State? Because they were so good that night. You know, they were so prepared. About perfect as perfect can be. And per- yeah, and it was just such a, a, a heartwarming start to the season. And, and to happen on the road against a, a team that's uh, respected. and place they had no success And, you know, going back to his confidence, I and mean, he said, look, if there's one thing I'm confident about, it's our p- preparation for the first game of the year. You know, it's sort of like that. that is something they, they really believe in their – and I'm sure every coach does. But I think that gives you some hope. Um, the whole idea that Boston College was a chamber of horrors for many years for Virginia Tech. You know, that was the team that you went up there and the stands were half full and they lost. You know, they, they were good teams that lost up there. Um, I don't know. I think I, I, just, I think Boston College is a tough out here. Well, you, you talk about the schedule and it's just like you look at it and you say if they win that Boston College game, they buy themselves some, some real – Right. Uh, padding yeah. uh, and you know you got you got a bye week in September too I mean you lose that game uh, it's just going to be a sort of and then you know you don't really play again you know until a team that you know Duke you should win that game at home 
but Miami's in October, and so it, it, it's just a weird schedule the way it sets up because it is easy, but then there are some landmines that you kind of say, man, they lose that Boston College game. It's going to be kind of just a long season. I, you'll, I don't think they could win goodwill back unless they beat Miami. You're right. You know, and then they have That's to beat a great the point. other three. You know? That's a great point. It's a long wait for another opportunity to um, – Because you should win against Duke. You should beat Furman. And, yes. Uh, an Old Dominion and Furman are game you should be winning by three touchdowns. Yes. At home especially. Correct. You know, Old Dominion lost last year. But now you look at that game and you say you're, you got them at home. A season opener, home opener. Um, uh, you got to win that game by three touchdowns. Duke, you got to win. So, yeah, you have six weeks till Miami. And that's an, an eternity in, in college. And then, right. not, then then you play Rhode Island and North Carolina at home. You don't have Notre Dame till not November because there's another bye. Right. So it's like – even that doesn't improve your ACC standing if right, you win it. Right. So, so. it's just uh, – it could be a long year in the sense where if you lose those couple key games, you lose Boston College and Miami, um, it's just long. So even if you, you could get still get to nine wins, but it'd just be – I think fans, the the sort of panic level throughout the year will be will be high. Yeah, I think that's a good caveat. I mean, it kind of matters who your wins come against too, right? I right. Mean, you got to get some of those big ones. You got to get a Miami or a Notre Dame, uh, certainly a Virginia, because uh, that's that punctuates the season and and it could punctuate it the wrong way for the first time in how many years? Sixteen. Well, and it's so weird because like you think about, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but like eight, and, you could go eight and four, and he lose to Virginia. Notre Dame, Miami, and uh, Boston College. Right. Is that a successful season? No. I don't think fans think so. No. No, because you didn't beat anybody. You, you know, a lot of empty calories on that. That is, on that, that, is the, that is the definition of just loading up on carbs, right? Yeah, that's a carb fest. Yep. All right, speaking of food, you want to do our pick three we now? We do pick three. Okay. You want to start? Uh, sure, I'll start. I have some good news for gamblers out there. Oh, good. Good news for me. Uh, my favorite place on earth, Cherokee, North Carolina. Uh, on Friday, this past Friday, the uh, governor of North Carolina uh, signed into law a sports betting oh. bill only for the tribes. So it won't you won't get it in Charlotte Not or anything like that. statewide, but the, the tribes. Yeah, just for the tribes. Is an How far of a drive so, is that from here? Uh, that's four and a half. It's, it's not bad. Uh, and it's a beautiful drive, you know, through sort of the uh, the the tri what do you call it the triad of uh, Bristol and. Uh, all those places in, in so is that did they have sports betting the next day at the casino were they ready i don't think they were ready but they, they showed some mock-ups of uh what the book's going to look like and it looks like it'll be really nice and uh you know it's just i i find myself when i go to atlantic city they have it already of course and i i've maybe met i think i made three bets this last time i was there one two of them but uh just I don't, i'm not a heavy like you know if i'm at a casino i'll probably play casino games but I'll also throw a little bit down there while it's just an, an added bonus. I'll be down there in October, and I'll hopefully they'll have the book up by then. Has there been any movement on Virginia's discussion? I was anything? just looking that up earlier. It does not look like it. Uh, they they actually have. And they still have that vote on the casino in where Brist- is it? Bristol. Bristol. Yeah. And then they're. It's weird because they were talking about they don't want anything between Richmond and Bristol, uh, which of course includes us. Uh, and, you know, so I, I don't understand all that. I don't understand why they're doing Well, I kind of do. I mean, it's kind of the representatives that you have that, that are wanting that. Um, so, yeah, but I, I'm encouraged that they're at least moving a little bit on it. There's, you know, there was talk. There was a bill introduced to, to legalize online only. Um, it had some restrictions. You know, you couldn't bet on college colleges in Virginia and things like that. I'm not sure how that's doing, um, but – 
at least they're talking about it, which you know shows some progress. Well, Swat was it Swafford who talked about it at ACC kickoff, where he said, you know, we'd hope that maybe they'll not allow betting on college athletics. Yeah, he's that's a clown. A, I mean, he's a clown. I mean, Swafford. That's, the, it, that's the only a pipe time. dream. That's that's like the like you can't the, the barns. Uh, I mean, you can't. It's well, it's gone. It's uh, it's out of the barn. Well, we or it's out of the barn. Last year, yeah, and last year he said something much more. Uh, Definitive about how he didn't like gambling at all. He didn't want to, he didn't like it. How and it's like, dude, it's here. You know, you take your blinders off, man. Like, I, I don't and care. he said, you know, he said that he'd heard from a lot of athletes that they were concerned about being harassed for losing bets. And maybe that's something you could ask. And that'd be a fun column. Uh, have you, do you think you'll be harassed by fans? Because <laughs> I have not heard that mentioned by a co- single coach or player, that no, part of it. No. Um, and of course, they're not, if they, if they do feel that way, they're not going to say it because you're not supposed to, you can't say the you word gambling. You can't say gambling? No. Are I mean, you worried about being harassed if you accidentally drop a pass? <laughs> um, if you Bryce Perkins won <laughs> late in the game. Um, it, and for people that are just joining the podcast, this is a new season, season two. Uh, pick three is just three three things we've been thinking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm sorry, right I should have introduced um, On our mind, outside of football. So I've been reading uh, Ace Atkins, uh, a mystery sort of thriller writer, vein of kind of Michael Conley, John Sanford. Uh, I hadn't read his stuff. He's published a couple dozen books. Uh, his one series about uh, Quinn Coulson, kind of a sort of southern uh, sheriff, sort of detective novels. Uh, got through six of them the last couple of weeks uh they're very good very readable nothing sort of heavy but if you want a good mystery and some some good storytelling uh, i've been kind of busting through those there you go yeah. mike's book club mike's book club well, i'll do a book one That's too one. I, you know i went back and got out of the library the bachman books which i think i might have even mentioned that it's on the podcast mm-hmm. before but those are stephen king wrote about five books um under the pen name Richard Bachman because he wanted to see if he could basically create another best-selling author from scratch and the, the fact was he couldn't uh, the, the books didn't sell until he was outed as Richard Bachman and of course everybody went and, and scooped up all of his all the copies of it uh, the Bachman books is a set of four and one of them raged the first book in the four books uh, is about a school shooting and he's he's taken out of print because of all the you know Columbine and and uh, in the Florida shooting and all those things, he he decided that was it was too, but it's it's a good story. Um, and the other three are fantastic. I mean, it's just he was so good back then, um, and and you know it's it's nice to be reminded sometimes of what a genius he is and was. So when somebody pulls, could you get that in the library if somebody has? Uh, a story yeah, it's the Roanoke Valley Libraries has it. I mean, you can request it. I've got it checked out until the end of August, but uh, you can you can pounce on it as soon as I turn it back in. Uh, <laughs> you can make a request now, and it should be ready for you in a, Didn't in a month. Didn't he just re-release? I'm trying to look it up, but I don't know. Uh, another uh, old book that he did just recently. I'm not I sure. Remember. I'm looking it up with no success. I ha- It's on my computer, but yeah. Looking at his, uh, I thought it was a mystery book that was like uh, sort of different. That was kind of because he's he has so many old books that are probably out of print that they try to bring back and capitalize. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's my number two. That's your number two. My number two. Been eating, uh, visited a couple of times this summer to the Rising Silo uh, Brewery. Have you been there in no. uh, Blacksburg? 
um, sort of outdoorsy. They've got a farmer's market uh, on the weekends, too. Uh, they got live music, just uh, kind of uh, local people play, and they got like a fire pit outside and a thing of wood chips where kids can kind of run around, just kind of be outside. Uh, good beer, uh, changing menu, um, you know, not, not a huge, huge selection, but kind of a good, uh, you know, very sort of home homegrown kind of food, uh, you know, sandwiches, some appetizers, good charcuterie board, which I'm always a big fan of. Um, so we've been checking out there, been there a couple times, uh, and have enjoyed it. All right. Well, uh, this past week we went to West Virginia, as we do every year, for a week uh, in the woods, and we cook out every night. And my brother and I finally have figured out how to do Italian sausages right. I, you know, for uh, for years I, you try to grill them, they get burned. So then I came up with a simmering method where you either simmer it in beer or water <coughs> for <coughs> for an hour or two, and then that way it cooks all the way through without getting burned. But the problem with that is the hot. If you get the hot version, the hot just drizzles right out of it during the simmering process. You can actually see the red in the water or the beer and you're like oh there's my juicy hotness so <laughs> we figured it out you gotta you gotta have you gotta cook the sausages last the, the charcoal's gotta burn down you gotta cook your burgers you gotta cook your chicken whatever else you got on there then on the sides of the grill let it go and, and, and nice low and slow and you get your nice crack you don't you don't have to simmer it and, and it's perfect i'm sure there's people out there that knew this already and and if i just thrown this out there before when I was struggling with it. It would have helped me through it. But if you if you are struggling with so it, that's the, how you do it. To all the young Aaron McFarland's in the world, <laughs> right. here's your advice. And Speaking then, of gains, I yeah. mean, you know, they always talk about the strength and, and size gains that they have. I've, I've had some significant strength and size gains uh, over the offseason. With the emphasis on the second one. <laughs> um, <laughs> third one for me. Yeah, uh, the strength I, losses, maybe. I'm a big uh, watch a lot of streaming television. Mine Hunter is coming back later this month in two weeks. They're dropping the second season. I don't know if you watched that, uh, the first season at all on Netflix. Um, it's kind of about the um, uh, FBI's development of profiling for serial killers, um, based on kind of a, a book by one of the more famous guys that kind of came up with a lot of the stuff. Um, takes has a lot of. It's all based on sort of real life and real life. Uh, serial killers that the FBI interviewed or tried to trace down. Um, the second season is going to be about sort of the Atlanta child murders. It's not a very fun show, uh, very dark, um, but um, very well done, well made, interesting. Um, uh, David Fincher is the executive producer and directed some of the episodes. Um, very excited to have that back. I think there's only eight episodes this season, which is sad. Last The first season was ten. Uh, but check that out if you're looking for something. That is something but, I would watch. Yeah. I, I don't have Netflix anymore. I got uh, rid of okay. it. Uh, and the kids were really upset because yeah. you know, it had all the good stuff for them on there. But I just found myself not watching it enough. And what is it, thirteen ninety nine, eleven ninety nine? It keeps it's, going up. Yeah, yeah, it's a little steeper than uh, you know ESPN Plus, which I've lauded over. Well, and you got to get the ACC Network, right? Yeah, well, that's an interesting. That could be a topic down the road when they're well, putting that stuff in, that. and we yeah because uh, Comcast still doesn't have it, and uh, okay. uh, so I mean, and I think Cox doesn't have it. Uh, I, I may be wrong on that, but I think Berman wrote something about how they they've got to try to work something out with our our local providers, or else nobody around here is going to get it. And yeah. uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, any tech games? Uh, well, the the Boston College Two of the game. First three, yeah. Boston College game, and then what? The Furman game. Uh, yes. Okay. So two of the first three. 
Okay. So if you don't network. have it, I guess yeah. you know maybe you go to a bar or something. But because somebody with Directv can get it, right? And I think so. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, that's that's. I think you put a wrap on this episode. I think so. Good to uh, be back. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back together soon. A after lot more in the next coming weeks here with fall camp about to get underway. Yeah, we'll come back from media day and break down what our thoughts from that and uh, and really get into a nice rhythm here. Well, sounds good. All right. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you next time.